Welcome to Betrayal Recovery Radio, the official podcast of APSATS, the Association of Partners of Sex Addict Trauma Specialists, hosted by Dr. Jake Porter. APSATS is a nonprofit organization providing professional training and compassionate support to partners affected by problematic sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. In each episode, Dr. Jake guides a conversation of enlightening insights and practical tools to empower those affected by sex addiction and betrayal trauma to use their voices and live their values. The mission of Betrayal Recovery Radio is to offer hope to those in need of healing and growth to those moving through grief. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jake Porter. Welcome to Betrayal Recovery Radio. I am Dr. Jake Porter, and I'm really excited to get to share with you the second half of my conversation with APSAT's coach, uh, Pam Blizzard, as we continue talking about cognitive distortions. Uh, Such a powerful topic, such an incredible concept to begin to understand and look for, identify in our own lives. This is really a human problem, one that just gets exacerbated when we've experienced trauma. Um, I've already received a lot of great feedback from our first half of the conversation with Pam, and uh, I look forward to sharing the rest with you today. Um, Now, uh, before we turn to the rest of this conversation with Pam, I just want to remind you of some really big stuff happening with AppSats coming up soon. You can find out more about all of this at appsats.org. That's A-P-S-A-T-S dot O-R-G. August the 4th, uh, the panel discussion, Successful Clinician-Coach Collaborations for Betrayed Partners. September the 1st, Kim Hansen-Petroni, an APSAT certified coach, will be leading a continuing education event, the partner's role in couples work. And then, of course, two big events coming up later this spring that you want to go ahead and secure your spot now, make that reservation for you to be able to attend. November 1st through 3rd is the 2023 APSATS conference. Check out all the amazing speakers that will be there. It's going to be a great, uh, great few days of learning and empowerment. And then if you have never taken the multidimensional partner trauma model training and you are a professional who works with betrayed partners or couples after the experience of betrayal, it is so crucial that you take this training and, and learn this model that I personally have seen so many um, uh, individuals walk through to find their healing. That multidimensional partner trauma model training will be held again November 14th through 17th. Again, you can find out more about all of these events at appsats.org. And without any further ado, I turn our attention back to the conversation I had with Pam Blizzard on cognitive distortions. He gets to make choices and he has made choices along the way. And, and those don't, those, those aren't, you know, I'm not driving his choices. I'm, I'm not responsible for his choices. So powerful. Right. right. Yeah. Um, you shared before we started recording that you have a really powerful example of these. Could you, could you share that? Uh, this was something that was huge, a huge cognitive distortion that kept me stuck for a long, long time. I would even venture to say years Mm. before we got into real recovery. And that was 
This is something I did for myself. Anytime I would start to feel like maybe I was making some progress a little bit lighter, a little bit more hopeful, part of me would go, no, I cannot get better from this. If I get better, or if I show my husband that I'm recovering and I'm getting better, then for some reason, somehow my husband will think, well, that's not been that bad. Mm. And yeah, she'll get over it. If it happens again, she'll just get over it again. And that, that was a huge cognitive distortion that was holding me back. It was actually hurting me because anytime I felt like I was making progress, I would push myself back into, no, I have to always be uh, hurt and dour and, and, and hopeless just to show the magnitude of the injustice mm. of, of what happened. I can never, there was, there was some sort of a, like, I thought I was making a jump that if I got better, I was saying everything was okay. Yeah. Not. Right. Is that, so in, in your list, would you put that under the category of discounting the positive? Is that Absolutely. what that is? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And black and white thinking, mm, fortune yeah. telling, I'm telling the future. I'm mind reading. If I do this, my husband will think. will do that. Oh yeah. So it's a lot of them. It's a wow. lot of them. And yeah. when I share that one with people, Oof. a lot of people go, oh, wow, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> so that seems to be a fairly common one. For sure. Yeah. I've definitely encountered and worked with partners who, who are struggling with that as well. And yeah, it's like, it's like they feel this need to constantly remind him of their, uh, of the pain of what they did. Like if they don't keep that front and center, he's going to forget and he's going to do it again. Right. Um, but two things can be true at the same time. Thank you. You can, you can recover and get better and be happy and experience joy and still hold your partner accountable and responsible for making amends for the past mm. and continuing to be a safe person mm. um, and honor that you talk about shared grief and the shared story and, you know, grief is also honoring the things that we loved. Right. And so you can still honor those things and, oh, and still hold yeah. your partner accountable. And we should, my husband and I are six years into this. We can still talk today about everything that happened years ago without shame and without uh, negativity or anger. We can talk about it. Wow. Yeah, that, that is so good that, you know, th this has come up several times in our conversation, the the presence of that all or nothing thinking, which I think you, you identify as overgeneralization in your, in your, uh, in your document that you put together, um, which is so common, right? It's and and we know why the brain does it. You know, you're in threat. You don't have time to deal with nuance and complexity and shades of gray. And right. So it's going to be black, white, all nothing, good, bad, safe, dangerous. Um, and yet very few things in this world are so straightforward and black and white. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And a big part of my own recovery was becoming comfortable with the unknown. Mm. How did you and, do that, Pam? Oh, uh, live in the moment one day at a time, mm. um, wow. constantly pulling myself back. It was so much work, mm. constantly pulling myself back to the current moment 
and becoming aware of, okay, yeah, my therapist told me that was black and white thinking. I'm in, I'm in either or thinking again, there's, is there something in the middle that can be true that I can live with? Mm. <laughs> and wow. and it, it is a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but um, just, uh, just keep doing it. We talked about fake it till you make it or yeah. not faking it, right. but just living as if living in that space saying, okay, I'm going to live and make my actions as if that's true. Cause I know that that's the healthiest thing to do and it becomes more comfortable over time. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Have you seen, I know I'm on a little bit of a rabbit trail on our topic, but I'm curious as you've you know, gotten, um, if you, as you strengthen your capacity for identifying your own cognitive distortions, right. Uh, which translates, I think, into an ability to, to, to be more congruent with reality in your own story, uh, be more grounded in reality as you've done that starting in, in the, the recovery process with your husband and the recovery process around betrayal, how have you seen that like spread out into other areas of your life? Oh, everything in recovery. That's the gift of recovery is life becomes easier. Yeah. This recovery lifestyle. Um, my husband will come in and tell me about something that happened at work. And we use the phrase, the story I'm telling myself. And he'll say, I just have to get this off my chest. I know this may not be true, but the story I'm telling myself is everybody's out to get me. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, and so just saying that, just getting it out changes it. Mm. And, and so we've absolutely used it. Um, oh my gosh, the pandemic or shortages, um, or layoffs in his industry, um, mm. things that life, you know, is, is, can be difficult. And so yeah. being aware of those cognitive distortions, cause imagine my husband, how he would behave and, and, and how he would hold himself at work. If he really thought everybody was out to get him. Right. He would become very defensive, very Paranoid. isolated, very yeah. withholding. Um, but I'm so proud of him because he's he's still able to be very open and and act as if. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's been very helpful. Yeah. You know, early in my own recovery story, one of the tools that I was taught, which it's not all about this, but it certainly gets at this. It's that talking format that a lot, there are a lot of versions of it, right? When I see this, or when I hear this, the story I tell myself, the story I make up is you state that about that. I feel put in a, an actual feeling word, right? And my hope is, you know, sort of like, here's my, now let me express my need around that. And what that was one of the most important, like building blocks of my early recovery is the discipline of separating my emotion from my thought, owning that, learning to express that. And that talking format, when I say I use it everywhere, <laughs> I'm as close to being literal. I know that's an all or nothing statement, but it's as close to that. I talk to the, the cashier in the checkout line, the uh, you know Comcast customer support person, my 10-year-old my niece, I use that because it is such a powerful way to to talk and to to move myself through the world without being so reactive emotionally. 
this is what I teach in my boundaries course. And I even have a free download on my website. It's a, called a boundaries quick start. And there's lots of different ways to make requests and set a boundary, but I use this four phrase, fill in the blank, uh, boundary setting of when you say, do behavior. And again, very factual, just very right. boring. Not I when you feel, act like a jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I, I feel these things. I feel and I statements. I feel sad. I feel worried. I, you know, whatever. Um, and if you do this behavior again, I will. And it's the things I will do to go self-soothe, self-care, keep myself safe, create some insulation between you and any future behavior that might continue. And I've, I've got an example in the real world where this helped. And we were, um, I tell this story quite often. We were camping before we lived up here in Tennessee outside of Gatlinburg. And it was one of those parking lot campgrounds where you pull your RV in. We were right next to somebody else and it was beautiful weather uh, at Thanksgiving. And I'll never understand this, the, the TVs on the outside of RVs. <laughs> yeah. We had our windows open. And the guy next to us, he was there camping alone and he had his TV very loud and it was coming into our camper. So I always say old Pam, <laughs> old Pam would have walked up and down and shot him dirty looks and mm. been very resentful. Like, how could you, and you know, how do you not know? And, but new Pam, I walked yeah. up, I walked back and I said, excuse me, sir, when you play your TV out loud it comes into our window right there and it's really loud. Uh, would you consider, which is making a request, would you consider turning the volume down? That man jumped up without a word and, and, and like turned his volume down. And I said, thank you so much. And went back to my yeah. camp, our camper and enjoyed the rest of our Thanksgiving. Right. It was right. so powerful for me because again, old Pam didn't have that language and would have been very snarky and very sarcastic mm. and very resentful. Um, yes. But that helped me get my needs met. Yeah. And and what I'm hearing there is you were avoiding, tell me if I'm right, because I'm, I'm, I'm learning here. You you were avoiding the cognitive distortion of, of shoulds. He should know. He should know not to have it that loud. He should know. He should be more considerate. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he didn't know. And when I told him he was, he, right. he didn't want us to, to be inconvenienced or, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. That's so great. I love that example. Okay. There's, there's one more that you have in your list. And I want to talk about this one because for a couple of reasons, one, I've never, uh, heard it phrased this way, the way you do. I've, I've never quite, um, seen it presented in, in the way that you do in your material. Um, and, I've also encountered it many, many, many times over. And that is what you call the heaven's reward fallacy. Oh, Can yes. you talk about that? Oh, goodness, goodness. Oh, it's painful, right? It's, oh, it, my heart hurts thinking about it. It is. In the, in, it's, it's, in the non-Christian world, it's karma. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure. It's if I do good, I'm going to get good in return in this life. Mm -hmm. And for many of my um, my ladies who grew up very churched, um, in a, in a faith based system, it's, uh, or, or even purity culture. If I save myself for marriage, right. If I do all the right things, if I serve at the church, if I pray, if I go to church every week, if I'm a good girl, 
God will reward me with a, with a good husband. And, um, and so there's the, there's part of that. That's just one example. Um, and the truth is, is that this is a fallen world. Yeah. Everybody has free will mm-hmm. and we get to make choices. God doesn't renege right. on free will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. sometimes life is unfair. Right. That the, the way I've um, seen it phrased before, it's, it's the same concept um, is the just world fallacy. It's the just world fallacy that, that, you know, there should be equal reaping and sowing, right? What, what you give, you should get back that. And, and here's where I think I've seen it so difficult for betrayed partners, not all, but, but many of them, they, the fallacy of it is they feel like they can't heal until justice is done. And, and I, I don't want anyone to hear me saying justice shouldn't be attempted. Right. <laughs> that's a whole different, that's a whole different conversation. There should be justice attempted and it should be brought into the conversation and there should be a, a restitution process mm-hmm. for the injustice of hidden betrayal. And there will, ne- I don't, I don't think it's possible for a human who has betrayed a partner so intimately to ever make up for it, you know, make up for it fully. Not, nope. not in this life. I mean, like, I don't partner, see it. Yeah. No, as a betrayed partner, I agree with you. Yeah. 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 And so to, to think I can't heal until this wrong is righted completely. Ooh, that's, that is a hard place to live. It is. And you know what, um, for a, the longest time, I believed for myself that it was a feeling that I had to feel that um, I would be better no matter what. I can be to heal from this no matter what, meaning no matter what my husband chooses, I am going to move forward from this. And I thought it was a feeling and it was pointed out to me that it was a choice, Mm. whether I felt it in my body or not, whether I believed it, it was a choice I had to make. So then I could take the steps to move toward that outcome. Um, but if I stayed where just in my emotional, I don't, you know, I don't feel that's going to happen. Um, and, and it's, it's a hard thing to do. And, and again, we're not saying, like you said, we're not saying that that person's off the hook just because you've decided to move on. Um, and, and you've decided that you're not going to let this defeat you. Yeah. The other person still has to, to make amends if they want to be in relationship with you. Now, my husband has made amends and I love the, uh, I think it's Stephen Covey who talks about the emotional bank account Yeah, that, you know, my husband over the years made deposits to my emotional bank account, but the betrayal was a huge bankrupting red line below in the, yeah. in the debt. Okay. Yeah. He can't pay me back exactly for what he took, but he can pay me back and make deposits to my emotional bank account in other ways. Um, and, uh, I just, I am so grateful for our recovery journey because we're Mm. closer and more authentic and more united and he's more safe than any other relationship I've ever had because Mm. of this journey. Um, so he was able to refill my emotional bank account in different ways. Yeah. Wow. 
So um, I'm, I'm going to go backwards in the conversation just a little bit. I'd made a note of this, a couple of things when, when you, when you said them, and I want to, I want to go back here because um, you do teach this in the context of your boundaries um, mm -hmm. course. And you said, you've got this free guide, which we'll make sure to have the link in the show night show notes for people to get that quick start boundaries, quick start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I heard you, you give that example when you, or when I see you right, what I feel, I feel this, right. And I have, it is not an exaggeration for me to say hundreds of times I have teed up partners to speak that way, maybe thousands, right? To, 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 to rather than share the story that comes out as an accusation or a cognitive distortion or whatever, share that emotion. And what I know to be true for so many of them is it feels so scary, so much more vulnerable to just say, when you do X, I feel afraid. That is saying that is so scary. Thank you for nodding because I'm, I'm kind of looking for, is that right? Am I yes, on the right track here? It's raw. It's getting out of denial that for myself, for me getting out of denial that, Hey, this hurts. And I love Donna Dixon because she taught me that sometimes it's more important for me to hear myself say something Ooh. than it is to land with the person I'm saying it to. Wow. I need to validate myself that, Hey, this is scary or, or I'm angry. <laughs> I have a mm -hmm. right to be scared, to be angry, to be sad. And it's, that's emotional intimacy. That's right. That's a gift that you're giving your betrayed, your betraying partner, yeah. a gift of emotional intimacy. It's not always safe, depending on that person's recovery, Correct. where they are yeah. to say that, but um, it, it, it's the kind thing to do mm. to tell the betraying partner, here's the impact of your behavior. Yeah. Right. And, and, and this is the raw, real emotion I'm feeling the fear, the pain, the threat, the shame, whatever it is. And, and what that just is a reminder of for me is that these cognitive distortions. So I guess listeners, uh, if you're, if you're like, Oh, I do that. Oh, I do that. Oh, I do that one. I guess what I want you to hear is I know Pam knows we know that this is because we're afraid this is these cognitive distortions are things that we automatically do to protect ourselves um, from vulnerability, uh, from future hurt. And yet they are defenses that ultimately, if we don't learn to lay them down, you know, set them aside, we, we, we limit ourselves. Would you agree with that, Pam? Oh, absolutely. Because then we gaslight ourselves. Oh, Oh, right. That, I felt that one. Uh, yeah. Well, we yeah. do. Oh, I yeah. shouldn't. We, we betrayed partners too. I shouldn't be so upset. Mm. I shouldn't be feeling this so deeply. Mm. What's wrong with me? Why, why am I not just getting over this? Everybody else, the world, my partner, the world, some uninformed therapists or helpers mm -hmm. are telling us or giving us the idea that we should be responding differently either emotionally or thoughts or actions. Right. 
and and even gaslighting, we could gaslight ourselves about the other person too, with the mind reading or with the personalization. Um, like like your example of personalization, he, you know, um, or the mind reading. Sorry, you know, he thinks I'm stupid, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, oh wow, that that's a new thought for me. That that recognizing cognitive distortions are a way to protect ourselves from gaslighting ourselves. That's good right there. That'll preach, yeah. Pam. Yeah. That'll preach. That's true. Wow. That's why they're so powerful. Yes. To be able to start to and it's a process, doesn't happen overnight. Right. But to start to recognize them. Yeah. And that helps you be more authentically in your emotions, which is your authentic reality. And it helps put the focus back on you where your power yes. is. Yes. Cognitive distortions are almost always about other people. And there's no power there. I have no empowerment to make changes to other people. All mm -hmm. I can do is make requests based in my own needs. And it's, it's always more empowering to put the focus back on me. Wow. That's, that is so well said. Thank so, you. um, this is a part of your boundaries course. Can you speak a little more about that course in general? Uh, what it is, what, you know, what's the format? Yeah. Sure. Tell us, tell it's, us more. Um, it's a digital course and group experience. Oh, okay. um, I have, I have some digital content of videos and worksheets that um, basically I, I put out, I devised five steps and um I uh, was advised before I created this course to go out and talk to women and interview them about what they needed to learn. And part of me was like, I don't need to do that. I know <laughs> I'm a betrayed spouse, but it was so enlightening. And I'm wow. really glad wow. I took the time because I said, what's the first thing I should teach? And I thought it was boundaries 101, who, what, when, where, and why. And they consistently said, help me get myself back. Remind me what I'm protecting with boundaries, that I have a Ooh. right that's good. Help me get refocused back on me. Yes. And I'm like, yes. And so I created a module that helps you put the focus back on you with values work with let's talk about rights. There's a rights worksheet, a values worksheet, cognitive distortions, um, validating your own emotions and separating out your thoughts from your emotions and just getting back into your own reality. And then I go into um, um, some other uh, responding versus reacting. Mm. I have a tool called snap. It's okay. stop, notice, ask, and pivot back to the values. Oh, I love values it. Work that you did. That's good. Um, so that in any situation you can ground and get yeah. focused back on you and ask yeah. yourself the right questions for self-care and your next yeah. steps. Um, and then just basically uh, the who, what, when, where of boundaries, what they are and what they aren't. And we destroy some myths about boundaries, like that they're controlling or they're punishing or they're rigid um, or that they're harsh and mean. So we destroy those myths. And um, then the next part that I teach is preparing to set boundaries. So before you even speak a boundary, think about what are you going to do should you need to enforce a boundary or enact, enact a boundary. And it's really not how you're going to, what, what are you going to do to the other person? It's what are you going to do for you? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to put your feet? What words are you going to say? How are you going to treat yourself? Um, so I have like a 37 page worksheet. It's a work workbook wow. planner. 
yeah. to help you think about what are the kinds of things that I can do if I need to enforce a boundary. Um, and then I give you, I give you so many tools. I give you um, the, the, how to say it, like when you write that whole right, format. Right. And then I also give um, some tips on how to deal with pushback. Hmm. And then I give some information on what kind of coupleship boundaries and requests you can make about the relationship coming first ah. and how we will tell each other everything. You're speaking my language, Pam. I know. <laughs> I know. Thanks to you. Um, and so I, I try to include yeah. as much about secure functioning because women can make requests and set boundaries, but they don't know how I didn't know. I didn't have the language. Sure. I knew what I needed, but I didn't have the language. And I think this is why your work is so great because it gives us the language mm. to make requests. And I got to tell you, my husband was so grateful that I was able to put into words. This is when you do this thing, this is what makes me feel safe. And that's different for every woman. Yeah. I can't go into another woman's relationship and tell her husband, Hey, this is what you need to do to help her feel safe. Right. Um, and so I help women come up with those statements and figure out, we don't know. We, we That's not a language we've been used to speaking, or we've been told for so long um, that our needs aren't important or, mm. you know, um, th that uh, we can't get what we need. So just opening up that conversation. So there's digital content. And then we meet, we meet for six weeks and we do check-ins and I do coaching on specific boundaries questions. Um, and then they can graduate to our momentum course uh, uh, group, which meets twice a week, which is just an incredible group of women experiencing post-traumatic growth and wow. just a beautiful tribe of women who are all on the same page about boundaries because boundaries aren't just valuable in our relationships. I have, this is why I love boundaries so much. Boundaries have rippled out into all areas of my life, making yes. requests like the example Amen. I gave mm -hmm. with the guy camping next to us. Yeah. And yeah. Um, just with family, with neighbors, with work, I've used it in restaurants. <laughs> um, wow. And so it's just, I'm really passionate about teaching people boundaries. Oh, They're that's so excellent. It sounds like an incredible uh, course. Thank, oh, thank you. For, you. I'm glad to know about that. I really am. Yeah. Well, well, Pam, um, what, what's your preferred way of people getting in touch with you? Recoveredpeace.com. Okay. Um, there's multiple ways to find me there through my contact list. Um, yeah. I'm also on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. You can find me. Recovered yes. Peace. Um, and we'll have all those links down in the show notes. Pam, thank you so much for taking the time to come and, and be on Betrayal Recovery Radio. You're an important part of the AppSats community. And uh, again, I just want you, I want you to hear me say, I value you. You are, you're an important voice. Oh my gosh. That means so much to me. Thank you so much, Jake. Thank you for inviting me on and uh, allowing me to talk and talk and talk about one of my favorite subjects of recovery. Yeah. It's, it's been great. All right. We'll have you back again. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Very good. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Betrayal Recovery Radio, hosted by Dr. Jake Porter. If you value the content we've shared today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. For more resources, visit appsats.org. That's A-P-S-A-T-S dot org.